I share myself with my students. You know, I don't say like, hey, I'm your teacher, you're my student, that's it. Students know they can come to me with whatever questions or if they have issues or problems at home that day or something, they know that that's a space they can go to that they feel like they're going to be listened to and, and loved. Bonjour, hello, welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lem. And I'm your other host, Cole Primo. Miigwech for joining us. Native Lights is a podcast and radio show, but it's much more than that. At its core, it's a place for Native folks to tell their stories. Each and every week, we're having captivating conversations with great guests from a lot of different backgrounds. So we talk to them about their gifts and how they share their gifts with the community, centering around, you know, just finding purpose in our lives. And our purpose on the show is amplifying Native voices, and we're getting right back to that today. How you doing, Leah? I'm great. I'm great. Hanging in there. How are you? Doubly great. Just chilling. Mm. You know. Doubly what's great. Your, what's, your, what's your favorite fall activity? Or, you know, we're recording this in the fall time, but, you know, what's, what, what, do you, what do you like to do in the fall? My favorite fall activity as of this moment, I'm going to say starting our very first fire in the fireplace. It's just so cozy and fun to look at and relax next to. Yeah, I think getting the fireplace going. And you? You know, I, I should have I asked a question that I would know my own answer to. But That's what you get. <laughs> my favorite fall activity could be just watching scary movies, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> Have you watched any more scary movies since we last talked about scary movies? Um, it's not scary, but uh, Casper was a big movie on our youthful little lives um, with the Christina Ritchie and, you know, what's his name? He was an Independence Day. Uh, Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman, yes. That was my movie. That was my movie because I had a Big crush on Devin Sawa slash Casper when I was little. <laughs> Good luck to all the you know scary movie fans out there who are dealing mm-hmm. with a little bit of the night the night frights. Anyways, <laughs> on to today's episode. I'm very excited to speak with our guest Thomas Draskovic. Thomas is a citizen of the Standing Rock Reservation in South Dakota, and he is an educator, actor, musician, artist, and activist. He's worked in the Twin Cities Native community in both schools and nonprofits for over 20 years. And for the past 16 years, he's been at the American Indian Magnet School in East St. Paul as a Lakota language and cultural specialist. Also, you may have heard him in a previous episode of ours at the Four Sisters Farmers Market. He's part of the local band Pretendians who were playing at the market in June and they were featured on the show. Uh, Great tunes from them. The vibes were awesome at the farmer's market. So I'm glad we get to dive into more of his background outside of the band, including being a member of the Native Advisory Council at the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis, and a whole lot more. So here he is. Uju, Thomas. How am I up here? Hello, my relatives. Lewa shichu ia Thomas Drathkovic amachiapolo. Naha lakotia chetan hitikahemie. Unkpapa lakota naha uh, I am Thomas. I come to you from Northeast Minneapolis, but I originated from the state of Minnesota, uh, Minnesota. Um, but I am enrolled at Standing Rock 
in uh, North and South Dakota, and I also have bloodlines in uh, Fort Peck uh, Reservation of Montana. We always like to ask, you know, how are you doing? How's the family? Oh, excellent. Um, well, you saw my beautiful wife walk by. Uh, she just got back from work. Uh, she's currently working on her uh, doctorate uh, thesis at the you know, University of St. Thomas, where she currently works there as a director of uh, student inclusion and racial equity. Um, so that part's going great. We don't have any children. Uh, my children are my students um, that I teach on a daily basis, and that's K-4, so I see a lot every day. And it's just great because they're all different ages, and it's something that just every class is different, and every class is unique. And it keeps you on your toes to like make sure that you can reach each of them in a very meaningful, impactful way. And as far as my like personal family, like at home in Standing Rock, um, my mother, uh, she is 78. Her name is Ampetu Tutawi, which is a Red Day woman. And uh, she's diabetic. She lost part of one leg due to that and one eye. But she is currently still working as a master linguist back home at the Language Nest full time. And uh, is still looking forward to like, making sure that our teachings and that our culture, language, it's passed on to these other generations and um, continues forward. She's my source of inspiration and um, my drive to be an educator. I just want to make sure I mention her because without her, I wouldn't be here with you guys and uh, talking with you and sharing bicultural, you know, lessons and stories, you know, uh, amongst uh, our people here. Thank you. Yeah. Is there anything that's on the top of your mind today? Yeah, well, one of it is with uh, the work that I've been doing with the Guthrie uh, Theater here in the cities. So I started a process of uh, helping to develop a play written by Tyler uh, Dafoe and uh, Larissa Fasthorse uh, called For the People. And it's the first like fully kind of native conceptualized and actualized play that they're going to be putting on um, at that space. And... Um, I got to be a part of the process by being one of the actors that helped develop a character and then perform a live uh, public reading of it at the Minneapolis American Indian Center. And it's something that's great to see because part of what we've developed through that uh, Native Advisory Council um, is how do we create our own presence um, in these environments, um, in these agencies, in these places where we're kind of mostly been outsiders in. And how do we create a positive, impactful change, not through just like maybe going out and protesting and doubting and screaming, but what are we shouting and screaming and how are we doing it in a way that's impactful beyond that one particular singular incident or a particular day, you know, and um, to actually be in control of our own, you know, destiny in that way and how we present ourselves, how we are portrayed and how we're received. And then also giving education around that in the, in the same way, because again, it's not just like we've been affected by the colonizers. And so when we get to a certain point where we have some sort of space and agency and voice, we're going to do the same thing that they did to us to them. And that does not show growth at all. That just shows that you learned their system and how to use it again to be that same type of person that you resented your whole life. And all of a sudden you morph into that, not really knowing that's what you were doing. And so we were trying to create a system, like a systemic approach to how we think and how we want people to receive what we're saying. 
this play kind of represents that like we're tired of people telling our own story for us and then the only place that we can tell it is these very small venues that people don't know about or don't care about telling stories that people don't know because these are original stories we're not retelling a disney story that people have heard for generations ad nauseum and just have been just peppered with but we're telling our own narrative from our own perspective in our own way and really truthfully it's to us it's to us you know um we need to get to a space to where we're not trying to always educate everybody else beyond us but to share within each other what we have and what we understand and what we know you're listening to native lights where indigenous voices shine native lights is produced by minnesota native news and ampers with support from the minnesota arts and cultural heritage fund today we're speaking with thomas draskovic citizen of the Standing Rock Reservation in South Dakota. He's an educator, actor, musician, artist, and activist. You know, you're talking about your, your, your mother earlier, and she's clearly a big role model in your life and, like, and, you know, finding your path. Could you talk about your mother and just finding your path as a person? Yeah, my mother, like I said, she's, she's an educator. Um, and actually, she, yeah, she's the one... Thing in my life that I anchor myself in when I'm feeling lost or adrift in any kind of way, really, um, because the story of my mother, I mean, when she was born, um, my grandmother at the time was in a bad place and wasn't in a good space to raise a family. And so she left my mom at the hospital. And uh, back then, I think my mom was born about 1945. Um, Anybody could have picked her up and took her, basically. And so she could have been another lost Native child raised by a non-Native family. And I wouldn't be here for that. And uh, it just so happened that her grandparents, my great-grandparents, uh, Thomas and Josephine, uh, came and picked her up and took her back to their cabin in Rock Creek over in Standing Rock and raised her along with uh, her younger brother and two of her cousins, who were also likely, you know, similarly left uh, behind to be discarded. And uh, she grew up in a log cabin uh, that had dirt floors. Uh, we had to mow the roof, uh, they detached the sides and stuff. They had an outhouse. I mean, it was, yeah, it wasn't a glamorous life at all, you know? And uh, she didn't really speak much English until she went to school at age of five. And through that, you know, she she excelled. I mean, she. She's a powerful person. She eventually uh, got her GED, then uh, got her you know, two-year degree, got her four-year degree, then got her master's and was an educator. And all while raising a lot of kids without a, a father to help out with. And um, the fact that she made it through all those things and came out the way that she did was a really, had a really impactful, you know, also very impactful for me. I mean, it just, it was something that I always look to because um, I also didn't really grow up with a father for most of my life. Uh, so I understood that part of it. And I was raised mostly by the women in my life. So my aunties and my grandparents and my mom, uh, they really helped me out, you know, a lot. And I never forget that. And so I always bring her up first because uh, she is the most singular reason why I'm an educator today and why I feel like I am 
basically smart enough and talented enough to step out into the world with strength and with courage. Again, she always encouraged me to just go out, do something. Don't sit here. Don't play video games. Don't watch TV. Get out there and do something, you know, because I, I, I wanted to do that. And so part of it for me is I always felt like I was a very creative person. Um, I always had a, a big, like, imagination. And I looked back at one of my report cards from second grade, and it says, Thomas can't sit still in his desk, and he talks too much, he tells stories, he distracts kids, he, you know, does all these things. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I just like, this is what we do. I go to my grandma's cabin, we sit and they talk for hours and tell stories and, you know, and just kind of, you can imagine all these things happening in your mind by how good these people are, storytellers, and how they can paint a picture with words, and how they can create a scene, they can create mood, they can create all these things through their words and their kind of small actions with their hands and body movements. And I just loved that. I was loved at how I could just sit there for the longest time. I couldn't sit still at school, but I can sit still in my grandma's cabin for hours on end, listening to my family talk and most of it was in Lakota also. And so to really try to sit there and listen and catch on as much as you can. And then um, to me, that was like, wow, that'd be great to be able to impact people like that, to be able to, kind of just stop people, you know, and take them away from what they were doing and then like immerse them into something else that they can just like just take them away from whatever's happening around them. And so since I was a little kid, uh, I would reenact movie scenes um, that I really liked um, and I wouldn't really tell my family about it. I would just kind of show up in the living room and just go through a scene and they're like, what is going on here? <laughs> And I'm like, and they're like, oh, wait, is that from La Bamba? You know, or something like that. You know, I'm just like, just something crazy. So, yeah, that's what I did throughout pretty much my whole childhood. I would really watch movies and TV shows. And if they really impacted me in a certain way, I would, it would inspire me to create a scene of my own. Um, have my friends come in and we'd, we'd reenact movies and stuff. And for a time, I thought I was going to be a stuntman. So I'd practice climbing up on my mom's roof and like jumping off and rolling and oh, doing yeah. all kinds of crazy stuff. And, and so I just have always had it like the bug, I guess you would call it, to just be creative since I was a really young kid and just love to tell stories and love to entertain. And it's just, yeah, even with my students, you know, same kind of thing. They'll be like, tell a story today, uh, tell a scary one or tell a, tell a funny one, you know, or something, you know. So it's always, because I really get into it and it's just fun. It's just something that is just, I think, has just been natural for me. So you work at the American Indian Magnet School. How does this creativity and history with um, engaging storytelling, how does that play a role in how you work with students? Oh, wow. It's a huge role because um, the population I work with is very diverse. I think we're actually the most ethnically diverse school in all of Minnesota. And um, so that's a task in itself to bring all these different cultures together in the same space. And um, and to me, I love that. It's it's really fun because I'm I'm mixed myself, you know, and so it's neat to see other kids come in and absorb a lot of these uh, kind of storytelling aspects and and uh, cultural exchange. Uh, so for me, like storytelling, yeah, it's just I, like I said, it's been natural. I'll, I'll I'll be teaching a class, so I teach Lakota language and culture, uh, K four. I'm also the drum teacher at our school, so I teach uh, uh, powwow singing and. Um, one of the things that always goes along with it is just been, I'll, if something comes up, if a student brings up something, like let's say, oh, trick-or-treating, you know, and I'm like, oh, hey, 
that reminds me when I was a kid and then I'll, I'll just launch into a story and then they're just by the end of it they're like oh that was so funny that was so cool tell us another one I think part of the storytelling aspect that really draws my kids in is I'm not just telling stuff like um, Little Red Riding Hood or some kind of bit like that it's all personal stories or it's stories from my culture itself uh, and I think that's part of what the kids like because they I share myself with my students. You know, I don't say like, hey, I'm your teacher, you're my student, that's it. You know, um, students know they can come to me with whatever questions or if they have issues or problems at home that day or something, they know that that's a space they can go to that they feel like they're gonna be listened to and and loved uh, in a true fashion. And um, and I think that's part of what helps them in my class and, and, and get used to my style is that they're like, wow, he's really speaking from himself he's really being himself around us he's not just playing a teacher role he's no this is him this is who he is and so i think that that's part of the buy-in process with that so uh we had the chance to talk a little bit before the the interview right now or before our chat right now i have to mention uh you talked about voicing marvel characters oh yeah last year um well, before that, even during the No Dapple movement, um, Mark Ruffalo, the actor that plays the Hulk, uh, went back multiple times to Standing Rock, my, my res, uh, to help uh, with that No Dapple movement in the protest camp. And through that process of him of him being around our people and getting to know um, kind of how we think about and, and really actualize our movement uh, through a collective voice of you know the people, he really liked that. And he was like, wow, this is great. You guys all came together and he saw all the tribal flags and he saw all these things. He's like, wow, this is amazing. So he had this thing. He's like, well, I have I have some power in Hollywood. How about, you know, he's like, so he went to his people and he said, you know what? We should translate our first Avengers movie into Lakota um, and have Lakota people voice those characters and let's promote this. Let's have this because this is something that needs to be heard because there's you see at the end of a movie how many different languages it's translated into, and you don't see our languages in there. And so he really kind of fought for that to happen, and they brought in uh, equipment for the studio over in, in, in Fort Yates and, and, and Rock Creek and, and Standing Rock, and um, they taught them how to use it, um, you know, gave them everything they needed to make it very high quality, and they used a, a, a native-owned studio in... Um, Standing Rock itself in, in Fort Yates. And so that was awesome in itself. So they asked my mother, um, like I said, who that's her first language is Lakota and uh, her friend to translate the first script into Lakota. And it was a process of weeks and, and months, but they, they got it taken care of. And then they start, okay, who are we going to get to do the roles? Who are we going to get to do this, you know, and this character. And so my mom called me once and this is how non-Hollywood or involved in all these things she is. If she was starting to say like, yeah, yeah, they're having me translate all these things, you know, and I don't know, these characters with, I don't know, some kind of movie. Is it an Avengers movie? Yeah, I think that's what they said, yes. You know, and I'm like, wait, what? And she's like, yeah, we've been doing it for weeks now. And I was, oh, okay, let's make, let me get this straight. You're translating a Marvel Avengers movie into Lakota. Yes. She's like, oh, they're looking for actors to, or people to do the roles. I'm like, great. Did you mention my name? <laughs> She's like, oh, oh, yeah. 
<laughs> you know, I'm like, I was like, Mom, did you tell him, hey, I have a son who works as a language teacher and is an actor. <laughs> huh? And she's like, oh, yeah, because they're having a really hard time finding people. They're like, they, oh they can't, gosh. they get in the studio and they get too nervous and they can't say the thing. So they, they're having a really hard time. They're struggling. I'm like, okay, Mom, can you tell them for me? I, I want to audition for this. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, so they eventually call me back and they're like, well, we're going to have you read for Loki and for uh, Nick Fury. Oh. And so they gave me like a two, page, two pages of dialogue and I recorded it on my phone and then sent it into them. And they're like, oh, this sounds really good. We'll, we'll get back to you. And like weeks go by mm -hmm. and I call my mom. So I'm like, mom, what's going on with this? Like, what do you mean? Well, I felt like they really liked what I did, but I haven't heard anything yet. She's like, oh, really? Oh, they told me that you sounded great, that you even sounded like Nick Fury, and they really liked you. And I'm like, okay, okay, mom, here's this now. Tell them to call me. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. So, yeah, they call me. They're like, I'm sorry, I thought somebody else already did. I'm like, no. I'm like, oh, yeah, we love you for Nick Fury if you want it. I'm like, okay, yes. Wow. And that was awesome. And because uh, honestly, truth be told, I've been a huge fan of uh, of that actor's work since I was very young. So Samuel L. Jackson, for me to voice one of his characters, that eked me out more than being like Iron Man or something. Because <sighs> I just love his career and to be a part of that in some way, I thought was amazing. And so I went back home two different times uh, this summer to do uh, recording. And so in the studio, it took, they scheduled me for three hours at a time, twice a day, and uh, until I got it done. And I had 215 lines to do. And I had my mom listening to me along with another elder to make sure I got things right. And that was a really fun, but sometimes frustrating process because as somebody who's not a master linguist, like my mom is, sometimes I feel like I'm saying things correctly when I'm not. And uh, so sometimes about 20 takes in, finally, I get the head nod from my mom. And I'm like, yes, you know, they got this. And um, so it took about eight days total. So I went back two different weeks uh, in the summer to complete the process. And by the end of it, my mom was like, yeah, you did good. I'm like, yes, because that's a huge compliment for my mom. <laughs> if anybody knows <laughs> nice. the kind of mom, she's like, heard you saying, yeah, you did good. I'm like, oh my God, like I almost want to do a cartwheel or something. But yeah, so uh, that process was amazing. Um, and it's going to be done by December and they're going to give us digital copies for all the people that are involved in it. So I'm going to set up a community event at my school in St. Paul for uh, at the American Indian Magnet School to invite our community there to have a feast. And we have a big circle room, which is our, uh, our cafeteria that has a huge drop-down screen really great speaker, built-in speakers and stuff. So we really will be like going to the movies and I'm really looking forward to that. And they said already that they already have the next three in development. So uh, it could be the whole Avengers saga in Lakota. You're listening to Native Lights where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're speaking with Thomas Draskovic, citizen of the Standing Rock Reservation in South Dakota, who is an educator, actor, musician, artist, and activist. Thomas, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with us before we say see you later? Well, yeah, this is kind of what we're talking about. Is you, every once in a while, have to take a step back because in this day and age, a lot of people are very 
very ready to be offended and upset because there's many, many things to be offended and upset about. And part of that is creating space for people to express that and have people accept that in a meaningful way and in a respectful way. Another part of my life is as a musician, um, being the lead singer and rhythm guitarist and songwriter for, um, for our pretendians band is that we chose that name purposely to make sure that we create conversation around that. How do we mm -hmm. talk to each other as indigenous people about things that are triggering, like people appropriating our culture and people, you know, taking it for themselves when it's not theirs. So we said, you know what, we're, we're indigenous people. We're real natives. Let's go with this. So we're going to be pretendians band and we're going to create this conversation around that topic and around that you know, subject matter. And we're going to sing songs that really speak from our viewpoint as BIPOC people in this modern indigenous world and show that there's ways that you can bring our traditions, our, our spirituality and our uh, beliefs into this modern world in a way that still creates a space for us to be indigenous people. And we've got a lot of backlash over our name because people would say, why would you call yourselves pretend Indians? I'm like, we're not calling ourselves pretend Indians because that's a big thing in this industry. Everybody wants to put the on everything. We're not calling mm -hmm. ourselves the pretendians. We're not presenting ourselves as the pretendians. We're saying we're pretendian band, which means that we're a band that calls attention to this. And you should walk into the space understanding that this is where we're coming from. And not that we're making light or making fun of that, but we're calling people's attention to it, bringing it into a space to where it's something that is open for discussion rather than admonishment mm -hmm. or, you know, writing very vitriolic posts online and then posting, you know, and then, but bringing it into an actual space. And uh, that's part of what I try to do a lot with my educational career, uh, with my acting career and with my musical career is that I don't try to be divisive in a way, but I try to be inclusive. But the way I go there sometimes might be a little different than what you expect. And mm -hmm. so just to also expect and uh, and respect discomfort sometimes, that's part of the process of truth speaking. And uh, we can only get to a space if we put ourselves there and our whole selves. So I just would like to say to everybody, be you. And just present that to everybody. And if you do it in a way that people can like see you for who you truly are and not presenting yourself as something that's made up or something that's just maybe part of what the time is right now or part of what's you know popular, you know, but to say, this is me, this is me every single day of my life. And this is who you're going to see every time you see me. And this is who I'm always going to be. And if you can accept that, we're going to have something good here because not everybody is going to speak the same see the same, hear the same, and feel the same. But if we all put ourselves out there, we're going to find enough commonality to where we can make connections that are generational. And that's what our people always talked about is not just yourself or even the next generation, but at least, what, seven away. So we have to think about this and how it's impactful beyond ourselves. And if we can think of that, I think that we can make connections that are unbroken, unbreakable, and lasting. Yeah, Thomas, teaching language to youth in the Twin Cities, 
supporting native voices, as we always mm -hmm. love to do, voicing Marvel characters. I can't more, wait. So, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Gonna I'm going to be in line for that. <laughs> I know. I got. I got to put that down in the yeah the calendar. We mm -hmm. definitely got to cover that. It's going to be great. So loved hearing from Thomas today. Thomas is a citizen of the Standing Rock Reservation in South Dakota, and he's an educator, actor, musician, artist, and activist. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Giga Wabaman. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.